because, I mean, everybody feels like that at times, so it's okay. Amen. I'm, I'm thankful that we're loved. Amen. All right, I need this thing to... Huh. Did you do something to it? Okay. Shoot, look at that, boy. Look at that. Kids are amazing. He's like... Whoo. It take it take me six hours and fifteen YouTube videos to figure that out. <laughs> Let's turn to Romans chapter one. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Well, um, you know I'm excited about sharing with you this morning, and I will cut it a little bit short. I know we've had a ton of church today already, and uh, we always want to give room for God to do what He wants to do, and uh, always. And um, uh, both are important, the moving of the Spirit's important, the gifts are important, but the Word's important too because the Word is what kind of sets the stage for those things to happen. One of the things about being a preacher is, how many know everyone's understanding of what words mean is different? And, um, and that's one of the challenges of being a, a preacher. How many know God said it was the, fool, the foolishness of preaching that a human being would be able to stand up and run their mouth and reveal who God is and God's wisdom and all those types of things. Um, it's a very humbling thing, and, um, but it's the way that God has chosen things to be. And here recently, can you turn my mic up just a little bit? Here recently, I, I've gained a little bit. I, I feel like God's shown me a better way to convey something that I have known in my heart and wanted to deposit in people um, in, in a way that I think it's going to be easier for people to receive. And, you know, when I use the word righteousness, and, you know, we've been talking about the gospel for quite some time, and uh, I'll give a quick synopsis of what that means in order to make sure that we're all on the same page. <clears throat> a lot of times when people hear the word righteousness, they think it, that I'm talking about doing everything right and living right. And um, there is an element of righteousness that is that, but the primary thing that righteousness is, is righteousness is an identity that's given to you when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. When you, when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are given a new identity, and now you are right with God. Can I get an amen? I mean, that's really the foundation that this church is built on, is the fact that you're right with God by believing in Jesus. And so that rightness with God is not going to be taken away from you. It's not something that goes up and down according to your good and bad deeds. It's just as sure as my son Ethan over here is my son. He's born my son. He's always going to be my son because he's born of me. How I many you know now that you have been born from God? Can I get an amen? You've been born from God. And, and you, the incorruptible seed of God's word is what's caused you to be born from above. And now how I many you know you have a new identity? And now I mean, you're now a child of God. And so you're always going to be a child of God now that you are a child of God. Just like I'm not going to reject my son from being... I mean, you know, I could, not, I could never change his DNA because he's born of me, right? Well, it's the same way now that you're born again and you're a child of God. You are united with Jesus in such a way that you don't have the ability to ununite yourself. <coughs> you're right, you, you've been given a new nature. And that new, na that new nature that you've been given will outlast your physical body. It'll outlast the earth that we're walking on. That new nature is an eternal nature. Um, and it will never be taken away from you. And so, and that nature that you've been given is a nature that's based in righteousness. And if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're right with God. And, um, so, and that, that righteousness has been given to you. It's actually in your spirit. Your spirit, soul, and body. Okay? Your spirit has been made totally righteous. Now, you're renewing this. That's why we're here today, is we're trying to change the way we think. That's what repentance is. Repentance is the word metanoia in the Greek, and it means to change the way you think. We want to change the way we think <clears throat> concerning who God is. We want to change the way we think concerning who we are. And we want to allow truth to bring us into harmony with the righteousness that's on the inside of, of ourselves. When you begin to think right and to believe right, how many know then you're going to act right? And so, and so we're, we're, we want to, all of us to mature in such a way where we choose to do the right thing 
but you don't do the right thing in order to be loved. You don't do the right thing in order to be accepted. You do the right thing because it's the best thing for you and the people around you, and now you have a nature that wants you to do the right thing. Everybody tracking me here? I'm just trying to lay that out in a nutshell because so many times we get it backwards and we think that we have to do right in order to be right with God, and that's not true. That's not New Testament Christianity. You simply believe in Jesus. I used to be a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, lying, cheating, awful person, and the moment when I called upon the name of the Lord and I said, Jesus, save me, I became right with God. And I've remained right with God for these past 20 plus years. Now, uh, my, my mind has been up and down. My emotions have been up and down. My thoughts have been up and down. My actions have been up and down. But that work that Jesus did in my heart has been sealed. And really, it's that rightness with God that keeps me getting back up. See, when you know that you're right with God, you just keep getting back up. Because the enemy doesn't have the ability to put you down for the count. You know, you, you may slip up, you may make a mistake here and there, but that righteous nature on the inside of you, it's like taking a, 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 a balloon and trying to put it underneath the water. It always pops back up. You know, I even tried to go back to that lifestyle of sin and, and, and the drugs and stuff like that, and I just couldn't stay, I couldn't keep doing it because I didn't want it anymore. Like, on the inside, I really didn't want it anymore. And once you're born again, it's just the truth. I mean, it's it's... So righteousness is now an identity that's been given to you. But what you have to understand is that righteousness is not just going to give you an understanding that God loves you and that you're forgiven, but righteousness, as it's revealed to you, and this is really important, it's going to affect your sense of value, self-worth, and dignity. Because everybody in this room, as a human being, you have a need for value, self-worth, and dignity. I I almost think it's one of the greatest needs of mankind. We need to to have a sense of self-worth. And one of the things that's messed all of us up more than anything is we've tried to get our self-worth in ways that wasn't good for us. I mean, you know, if you try to get your sense of value and self-worth from someone else's opinion of you, that relationship turns into a codependent, unhealthy relationship. I mean, you know, we, we need our self-worth and our value to come from God. Not from people, not from things, not from people's opinions. We need that to come from God. Because when it comes from God, it's safe and it's not going to change. See, your self-worth and your value in the eyes of God doesn't go up and down. Your value doesn't increase when you do right things and your value decrease when you do wrong things. Just like my, my, my kids, I love my kids. And I love them all equally. And their worth to me is not based on how well they obey me. Because they're my, I love them. They're my kids. So like my love for them and even the way I look at them and the way I value them is not based on what they do. And see, how many of God's a better father than I am? Can I get an amen? And how many of God sees the way things truly are and God knows what, what true value is? And God saw your value before you saw your value. And God knew your value. And here's the thing. Man never lost his value. We've always had value. Even after sin. Even after the fall. That's something I'm understanding. That's what in the, in the book of Psalms, it, it, it says, one is testified of a certain place saying, what is man that you um, are mindful of him? And you know where I think that came from? The devil. I think the angels were like, why do you like these little frail creatures so much? You know? And, and, and so the enemy has always hated our value and our worth and has always sought to take it away from us, but God has always seen us valuable. Even after the fall of man, I mean, he still loved his kids. I mean, he still came down to spend time with them. And he told him, he's like, no, nah, man, y- y'all can't wear clothes like that. <laughs> you know? 
let me, let me make you some clothes. God made them clothes. God removed them from the garden so they wouldn't eat of the tree of, of, of life in a fallen state so they wouldn't stay eternally damned. It was love that He removed them from the garden. And, and this whole time, God has still valued us and loved us and wanted us. But how many know we were the ones that lost sight of our value? Why? Because immediately after the fall of man, we went to hide because we were ashamed. Why were we ashamed of what God made? Why did we feel like we had lost worth? Why did we feel like we had to hide? Why did we feel like we had to accuse? Why did we feel like we had to blame? See, the fall of man did not change man's value. But it did change man's value in his own eyes. And so, one of the things that the gospel restores to you in His gift of righteousness is your value, your self-worth, and your dignity. I would say a good portion of the problems you currently have in your life and the problems you've had in the past is you were not getting your worth and value from the right place. I mean, you know, there's some decisions you probably would have made differently if you really valued yourself and saw yourself as having worth. And God, through the Gospel, wants to restore your self-worth and your value and your dignity. And He wants to take it off of all of the things that the world weighs in the balances. You know, how many of those were here to this morning? How many of there's nobody in this room that's any better than anybody else? Amen? There's nobody in this room any better than anybody else. We all equally need Jesus. But how many know you live in a world that's constantly weighing you and comparing you with other people? How many of people get their self-worth from the way they look? How many of people get their self-worth from how much money they have? People get their self-worth from what kind of car they drive, what kind of clothes they have, how much education they have, how big their church is, how well their kids act, how strong they are, how smart they are. All these things... And God, through the Gospel, wants to teach you how to take your self-worth and unplug it from all of those things. And take your self-worth and put it totally in His opinion of you. Because when your self-worth and your value and your dignity is restored, you walk different. You talk different. You live different. And we want to be, and one of the things the gospel does is it, it, it sets you free from this sense of unworthiness. Because here's the thing some of us have had opportunities come into our lives, but in our hearts, we didn't feel like we were worthy for it. And we either missed it, overlooked it, or sabotaged it. Because God can't bring something into your life that you don't feel worthy to receive. As I'm saying this, everyone in here is bearing, is bearing witness. That I had such a low sense of self-worth that like, I, I couldn't, I was always basically trying to destroy myself. Opportunity would come, I would mess it up. Relationship would come, I would mess it up. Because in my heart, I just didn't feel like I was good as everybody else. And so, God has all these wonderful things that He wants to bring into your life, but He can't get them to come to you and to stay if you don't know your self-worth and your value. Everybody tracking me here. And He wants to get it to you on a heart level. Not in a head level, not in an intellectual level, but down in your heart, God wants you to know your worth. And this is what righteousness restores to you. This is a part of what it restores, is it restores your sense of self-worth and your sense of dignity. And it also sets you free from competing with other people for worth. 
If you are competing for other people for worth, you don't yet understand the gospel in your heart the way that God wants to get it to you. Because competition for self-worth is a horrible trap. Because there's always going to be somebody skinnier, prettier, more money, smarter, stronger, better job, better car, whatever. And in the day and age we live in, we have the ability to compare ourselves with everybody on the planet because of social media. Used to be you just had to compete with the locals. <laughs> Praise God. A little bit better, you know what I'm saying? Now, man, you got to compete with people all over the world. And, and what, it, what it does is, and this world's system always seeks to devalue people. And if we allow it, social media will rob you of the enjoyment of your life. And it will keep you in a constant state of comparison. It will keep you in a constant state of covetousness, wanting what someone else has, thinking if you had that, you'd be happy. But I'm here to tell you right now, if you don't get rid of covetousness, nothing will ever make you happy. Whatever you have will not be enough because somebody else is going to have more. No matter how much weight you lose, no matter how many wrinkles you get rid of, no matter how many, how much money you have or whatever metric you can compare yourself with, there's always going to be somebody that has more. And that whole system is designed to kill you. And so God, God's, in God's kingdom, there's nobody any better than anybody else. In God's family, that like how I many you know you start in God's family the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's how you start. You start with the same value, worth, and dignity of the Son of God. And that is greater than anything else anybody can give you. But we've spent so many years of our lives ravaged in comparison. And how I many know church can be worse than the world? Church can be a place of greater competition than the world. Jockeying for position and, and worth and value, and everyone's in a codependent relationship with the opinion of the pastor so they can feel good about themselves. I hate that stuff. God loves you, and you are valuable, and my opinion of you doesn't mean anything compared to God's opinion of you. But what's happened is we've had pastors behind pulpits who didn't know their self-worth, and so they were in codependent relationships with other people. Everyone's codependent on each other, manipulating each other, and, and jockeying for position, and trying to get value and worth, and we got pride, and flattery, and manipulation, and ulterior motives, and all this bunch of yuck that is not the kingdom. And one of the things that removes all of that from us is the gospel. Because the reality is, if we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have the dignity and the self-worth and the value of the blood of Jesus Christ, and we all have it. <laughs> one of us doesn't have more of it than another does. Everybody tracking me here. And so God wants... This is a reality to you whether you actually believe it or not. Your worth, your dignity, your value is established in the heart of God. But God wants to awaken it in you so you can enjoy your life. So you can enjoy your life. Amen. And there is a way to change the way you believe about yourself. And the way you do it is you honor God's opinion of you beyond your opinion of you. And you start to say what God says about you. The whole concept of confession is, is the word homologio. When the Bible's talking about confession, it, homologio means to say the same thing that God says. So if God says you're clean, you need to agree with it. If God says you're righteous you need to agree with it. If God says you're worthy, you need to agree with it. Now, and what this does is, what's awesome, is it will set you free from slavery and bondage. It will set you free from addiction. 
It'll set you free from dependence upon other people to determine your worth and your happiness. It'll set you free from churchianity. It'll set you free from being controlled by a pastor or leader. Amen. How many know you should have an identity apart from this church? You should have an identity apart from me. Amen. But how many know that there are places where people have their identity in their pastor and in their church? They don't tell people about Jesus. They tell people about their church. They don't tell people about Jesus. They tell people about their pastor. Why? Because they identify with their pastor. And God love them. But that's not freedom. No, God wants to set you free so that no one can manipulate you or control you and you can hear God for yourself. And you can be led by the Spirit of God for yourself. Did y'all notice that freedom we had earlier in church? See, that's God. And that's what God wants all the time. But if everyone's self-conscious and nervous and wondering what everybody thinks and what everybody says, you don't have that kind of freedom because you'll have someone who's in control. My primary goal is to not be in control. Because I want to move out of the way so God can do what God wants to do. Can I get an amen to that? I do not want to be in control. I will lead and I will serve, but I'm not in control because I don't want what I can produce. And when we can get man out of control, then God can do great things. And and what's cool is, is like, and we can all do those things. See, everyone here is a minister. Not just the pastors and ministers, we are all ministers. And we're all called. Can't get an amen. And so maturity is recognized and operating in that. And so that only, you can only grow up when you're free. You can't grow up when you're controlled. You only mature in an atmosphere of freedom. And so God wants to change the way you feel about yourself. And God wants to establish your value, your self-worth, and your dignity securely in Jesus Christ so that you get free from what everybody else thinks and you get free from your own beating yourself up and you start to walk around with someone with some worth, some value, and some dignity. Can I get an amen? This is where we're going to be for a season. This is the next, we finished our last um, thing that we're working on and now we're working on this. So Romans chapter 1 and... um, the go- and the gospel is what actually does this. The gospel is what restores it. And I've known that righteousness did this, but I've, I've, never, I've not been able to communicate it this well. And now, I mean, understanding, because everyone can understand this concept of self-worth and value. Romans chapter 1, verse 15, it says, So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the good news to you who are in Rome also. And I want to bring this out. He's talking to believers. The gospel needs to be preached to believers, not just unsaved people. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Salvation is everything that you have need of. It means being born again, yes, but it also means healing. It also means provision. It also means uh, healthy relationships. Everything you need is in that word salvation. And a part of how you're going to experience getting those needs met is God wants to elevate your sense of self-worth into a place of where you finally believe that the cross is a success and you deserve what Jesus died to give you. Now, you 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 don't deserve it based upon your own merit. You deserve it in the same way that, you, that someone's born into a rich family. It's an inheritance. You know, the people, the people in Walmart, you know, they're like top, top so many richest people in the world. None of those people earn that. They were born into a family. So what's coming to you is not a wage that you earn. It's an inheritance. But if you don't know who you are, You won't show up to get what's yours. And if you don't know your worth, then you won't demand what God says you can have. Because there's going to be times when you're going to have to take a stand for what's yours. 
And if the enemy can convince you that you somehow don't qualify for that because of something you did or something you said or something about you, then you won't stand up and fight for what Jesus died to give you. And you're not fighting against God, you're fighting against the the enemy trying to convince you that you're unworthy of what Jesus died to give you. The devil shakes and trembles and is afraid for the bride of Christ to finally wake up to her own worth. Because boy, when she knows who she is, can't nobody stop her. And so the enemy works overtime to keep the gospel from being preached. And we want to preach all this self-help stuff and moralism and all these types of things. And those things are fine, but it's not the good news. The good news is the power of God to salvation. Because I can tell you what God has for you all day long, but if you don't feel like you're worthy to rise up and eat it, then you'll never have it. You'll just hear about it every Sunday, and you'll think other people have it. And you're like, well, I just wish I could be like them, wish I could be like the pastor, wish I could, wish I could, wish I could, wish I could, wish I could. And then living in a, in a state of actually being a part of the family, of the, who gets the inheritance. Everybody tracking me here? So the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the, to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, the just by faith shall live. So the gospel is always going to be a revelation of Jesus as your righteousness. And let me change the language there. Jesus is your worth. Jesus is your value. Jesus is your dignity. You've got, we've got to take these things off of action and we've got to plug them into the person of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen to this? How many know when Jesus poured His blood out on the ground, He thought you were worth spending His life for? And the cool thing about Jesus, you get around Jesus, how many know Jesus always elevated the self-worth of people He was around? That's why sinners wanted to be near Jesus. Because, listen to me, when you were around Jesus, you didn't feel less than. You felt like you were included, you felt like you were invited, and you felt like you belonged to be there. Because He carried the righteousness which is from God. And in that atmosphere, there's no condemnation or guilt. And that's why people like Mary Magdalene, who come out of these rough <clears throat> background, could come up and, how I mean, you know, you see a boldness arise in Mary's life. Mary is going to not be afraid of what people think about her because she found her value in Jesus' eyes. So when the gospel is preached, there's a revelation of Jesus. How many of you, we didn't come here today to talk about me. Can I get an amen? How many of you, there are preachers, all they do is talk about themselves. I'm this and I'm that and I did this and I did that and I'm that. That's not the gospel. Shut up. You know what I'm saying? You can testify about what God's doing in your life but do it in such a way that it glorifies Jesus and not yourself. Because if you're glorifying yourself, you are not advancing the kingdom of God. So we didn't come here to talk about me. I mean, we didn't come here to talk about you either. Can I get an amen? We didn't. We came here to talk about Jesus. And so as the gospel is preached, we reveal Jesus as our righteousness, as our worth, as our dignity, as our home. You now live in Jesus. Jesus lives in you. Your right standing with God is a new zip code. That's where you live. And so we, got to, we want to get our minds renewed to this reality so you stop putting up with stuff that is not on par with who you are. And you make a decision like, I ain't putting up with that. Why? Because I have more worth than that. I have more dignity than that. When you get a hold of who you are, listen to me, people can't manipulate you no more. People can't manipulate you no more. People lose the ability to impact your sense of self-worth by their opinion. You don't need people to like you in order to feel okay about you. God will set you free from the fear of man, which is a snare. Because I need you to be you. I don't need you to be what you think I want you to be. I need you to be you. Because you are awesome. And if you try to be somebody else, then you're denying the world of the awesomeness of who you are. Everybody tracking me here? I don't need you to be, just be you. 
And you can only successfully be you when you're comfortable in your own skin and you know your worth and you know you're forgiven and you know you're righteous and you know there's not anybody else any better than you. Everybody tracking me here? I, nothing should intimidate the child of God. Nothing should make us feel low. Nothing should make us feel less than. One of the things I probably hate more than anything else is when people are intimidated by money. People just be in a really nice car or really nice, something that's really nice and they feel intimidated. Sweetheart, you're worth way more than that. There, there is no material item that's worth more than you. Don't you dare cow back and feel like you're not worth... No, put your shoulders back. Money dies, folks. Money don't make it to the other side. We walk on it when we get to heaven. There's a reason God made the, the streets gold. He said, we walk on this stuff because this ain't the true riches. Can I get an Amen. But we live in a world where everything's measured, value, and worth by money. I hate that stuff. No, you get a hold of who you are, and you get a hold of your self-worth, listen to me, and money will come after you. It's the truth, man. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We're at, see, but when we get intimidated by things, and we, we, we feel less than, uh, we're, 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 we're revealing what we actually believe about the blood of Jesus. What you think about you is what you think about the blood. Because it's the blood that cleansed you. Thank you, God, for the ability to speak plainly. Because we gotta, we got to snap this thing off of us, man. we got to get free from this. And, and you, we've got to honor the blood. And we honor the blood by knowing our worth. And here's the thing. As you get a hold of your self-worth, you're probably going to make some people mad. And, and the dynamics of some of your relationships may change. And that's okay. It might rock the boat a little bit. When people find out they can't control you. Now listen, I'm not telling you to go around and be a jerk. Okay? You're called to walk in love. But see, if I do something kind for you to get you to like me, I'm not loving you. I'm using you. That's not a genuine motivation. Love comes in its kind expecting nothing in return. And I can't love properly until I know that I am loved. Until I actually love myself. Come on, let's talk about that for a minute. The Bible says you're to love your neighbor as yourself. What happens when you don't know how to love yourself? Then you can't love your neighbor. You can't do for anybody what you've not first received for yourself. And so, man, when you start to really get a hold of loving yourself with God's love... Not the world's self-love, but God's unconditional agape love. It'll restore a sense of value in you. And what you'll do, you'll walk around walking in love not to get anything from anybody. And it's like real love. It's not this Christian fake love with all the, the fake wording and all that type of stuff. It's an actual, genuine... See, when love is present, worth is revealed. That's what love is. Love sees value. And God wants you to see value in the human race. Man, that's something God's been working on me on. Because there's, there's groups of people that I just don't like. And that weird me out. You know what I'm saying? Nobody in here. <laughs> but I'm talking about like people who are not saved and people that are involved in some gross immorality and things like that. Like I just had a hard time like, I'm just like, oh. <clears throat> and the Lord has been revealing to me, I value those people, Jeremiah. I love those people. Will you love them the way I love them? Will you see them the way I see them? Will you look past their sin and you look past their rebellion? The only reason they're like that is they don't know me. And so what's happening is I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm becoming, I can now love these people and see value in them. Because that's what love always does. It reveals worth. 
It reveals worth. Oh, it's exciting. Like I see it. What happens to the body of Christ when we start to love ourselves with the love that God has given us and love each other with the love that God has given us and then love the world with that same love? Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants, no one wants to be manipulated. Let me know a lot of church is manipulation. No, but everybody wants to be loved. And God has that for us. And it feels good. It feels good to be loved and to love. It feels good to bring value to people. Amen? So 1 Peter chapter 1, please. And so I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about I'm excited about it. I'm so excited about it. Because I I I, I feel like this is kind of a missing element a lot of times. And and it brings a side to the gospel in a way that we can understand. Because sometimes I think people think about righteousness, even when people are starting to understand faith righteousness, they just think, well, it just means that I'm forgiven and I'm right with God. And it does mean that, but it actually it's more than that. As you get it down inside of you, it'll restore your sense of value, self-worth, and dignity. It's, 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 it's awesome. It's beautiful. But um, So the gospel, it has a course that it runs. It, it, the first thing the gospel does is it, is it gets you born again. It allows you to receive Jesus and your spirit gets born again. But then the gospel also wants to start to affect your soul and your mind and your heart. Grant preached on the heart last week. It's an awesome message. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to listen to it. Because the gospel wants to affect your heart as well. It, it, it's, it, because once the gospel starts to affect your mind, your will, your emotions, and your heart, it will then start to have impact on your life and the way you behave. But your behavior isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is your heart. God's not after perfect behavior. He's after your heart. And so, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That word end is the word telos in the Greek, and it means the end, the goal, the purpose. So, what you have to understand is that God... The game's not over when you get born again. In fact, God didn't even call us to make converts. God called us to make disciples. So the gospel is going to reach into your soul. And listen to me. A part of the restoration of your soul, of your heart, is restoring your worth. I don't know about you guys, but I I made so many mistakes and did so many dumb things that I hated myself. For real. For a long time, I hated myself as a Christian. I hated myself as a minister. I just, I, down low, I hated myself. Like, it wasn't like in the open or anything, but I just didn't like myself. But, and, 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 and I've been carrying that for years. But then God broke it off of me one day. And, 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 and He didn't break it off my spirit. He broke it off my soul. He broke it off my heart. And now, I don't hate myself anymore. And like I, I now am starting to like and love myself with the love that God gives. <clears throat> and you know what's doing? It's actually helping me to love other people better. And so this pathway of redemption, it goes to your spirit, but then it also goes to your soul as well. Now turn to Isaiah 61, please. And God's going to do this for us. He's going to restore this for you. It's going to change you. I mean, when Adam and Eve were hiding and afraid, they weren't the best version of themselves. In fact, they were acting weird. See, when you lose your sense of worth, you act weird. You act contrary to the way you were designed. And that's why God came down. He's like, where y'all at? I come for the cookout. <laughs> you know, we're walking in to cool the day. We're here for the barbecue. We're going to hang out. This is our day. What's up? Where y'all at? And they're all like, and he's like, oh, man, y'all ate the fruit. <sighs> okay, it's going to take me about 6,000 years to fix this. <laughs> but we're going to get it fixed. 
And see, how many know Jesus fixed it? Didn't he? But we have to believe it from the heart to enjoy it. God does not want... You ever be around somebody that intimidates you and makes you feel less than yourself? How many know it's hard to be yourself around that person? Let me tell you something. It's not that person's job to change so that you can be you. It's your job to realize who you are so that person can affect you. Because you are not guaranteed to be treated with respect. You are not guaranteed anything. In fact, nobody owes you anything. So you've got to get strong enough to handle their disrespect. You've got to get strong enough to be yourself around anybody and everybody. My goal is to be myself all the time. And religion is the opposite. Religion tries to turn you into something on Sunday morning and then you're different every other day. No, I want to be the same person up here that I am sitting on my couch with my kids. I want to be the same person at the gym, the same, anywhere I'm at, I want to be the same person. And the grace of God will teach you how to be yourself. And that's actually how you deny ungodliness is because you realize, I don't want those things, I want the good stuff. Everybody tracking me here? No one should be able to intimidate you. No one should be able to get you to lose your sense of self-worth. And what we have to do is we have to take our, we have to stop honoring other people's opinions and honor God's opinion. Stop honoring other people's opinions and honor God's opinion. Now, it will also require that you hang out with Him regularly so that He can remind you how beautiful you are. And you'll need to hang out in a corporate setting. I mean, you know, there are things that are happening in you right now that wouldn't happen if you just stayed home. And we'll be honest for a minute. Preaching to somebody this morning. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Thank God, Felicia. She, she read her devotional this morning and said, get to church. <laughs> okay, God. Just kidding. We've all been there. You know, I had a hard I was sleepy this morning. Anybody else sleepy? Dang, I was sleepy. I, I mean, I slept in, went downstairs, going to spend time with God, fell asleep on the couch. Everywhere you put me, I fell asleep this morning. And waking my family up was, I, I woke Ethan up probably four or five times, woke Stacy up, woke everybody up. I was, I was like pulling teeth getting everybody to church today. And how many know that that's okay? You have a flesh. But how many know you can, if you bow down to your flesh all the time, it's not going to give you the life you want? You've got to fight against that and rise up and receive what God has for you. Amen? Amen. And, and also, your right standing with God is not based on your church attendance. Can I get an Amen. You're right with God whether you come to church or not. Can I get an amen? But there's cool things that happen when we congregate together. And, 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 and really, this should be a place where you feel valued and loved. I mean, you know, you're not in competition with anybody in this room. And you never will be. Amen. It's true. It's true. A family doesn't compete. We just don't. Like, it'd be dumb for us to be... Like my kids competing for more mashed potatoes at the table. It's like, all the mashed potatoes are yours, you know? But how I many, anyway, all right. So, no, this is a safe place. Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings. Come on, the gospel. This is, the, this is what Jesus read when he was preaching. The good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Because tying in with what Grant shared, and really, man, you're only going to know this if you can get this on a heart level. This is not a head knowledge thing. Because in your mind, you can say, Am I, do I have worth? Yes or no? Yes. Am I valuable? Yes or no? Yes. Do I have dignity? Yes or no? Yes. But how I many it's different being able to answer it on the test than actually walking in it. And you don't walk in it until you get your heart healed. Amen. And I want this for all of us. <clears throat> he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. Listen to me. The brokenhearted are held captive by the pain of their own hearts. There is no greater jail than the one inside of somebody. That's what, the, that's what the Lord was showing me this morning, talking about the broken heart. He, he's healed the broken heart to proclaim liberty to the captives. I think those are the same people. The open to prison are those that are bound. 
Because you're not free until you're free inside. And you're not free inside until your heart is healed. And everybody in here, you've had people reject you, disrespect you, and count you as being less than. Everybody here has. And God wants to heal that on the inside of you so that your sense of value, self-worth, and dignity can be restored. Everybody tracking me on this? Because when you know your worth, there's a freedom that's in your life. When you know your value. You know, if you had Jesus standing right next to you with His hand on your shoulder, and when someone said something bad towards you, and Jesus just gripped your shoulder a little bit and would say, I mean, it would help you to, to, to not elevate the opinions of other people. When the creator of the universe is like, no, nah, it's not who you are. I didn't make you like that. And you'd be like, okay, I'm trusting Jesus. I'm not trusting this teacher, this coach, this person. Y'all tracking me here. And so you, you don't have that in an external form, but you do have it inside. I mean, the Spirit of God is within you. And then as you allow the Word of God to come alive to you through the lens of the cross, which is what the gospel actually does, then God's words will rise up inside of you and speak against when someone devalues you or thinks less than you. You're never going to have a moment in your life on earth while we're, when people aren't going to not treat you with the, the respect you deserve in Christ Jesus. Everybody track me here. People just are not going to see your value. You ever be talking to somebody... And they're looking beyond you. I hate that. Like, either talk to me or don't talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't, don't wait for someone cooler to come along. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and, and, and so, amen. Now, with me, as a pastor of this church, I want to try to talk to everybody. And so I'm trying to do that as much as I can. And so there may be times when I may have to go say hi to somebody or something like that. I wish I had enough time to sit down with everybody. We could all just sit and hang out. And we do that sometimes when we fellowship. But you, your value is not determined by someone's attention. Your value is not determined by these things. And God wants to heal your heart. Just imagine yourself actually knowing your worth. How would you act? How would you live? How would you talk? when you knew that you were worth the blood of Jesus. Let's turn to Philemon chapter 1, please. A couple more places here and we close. It's going to be a good series, man. It's going to be a good series. But this, I feel like this is really key, man. This is really, really, this is a, of dynamic importance. And this is a part of healing the wounded heart. Because the reason someone's heart gets broken is someone has disrespected them or rejected them or whatever. You know, and some of us have been really hurt by important people in our lives. Whether fathers, mothers, coaches, teachers, friends. And God wants to, to heal your heart and then protect your heart. Amen? Philemon 1.6, it says that the communication of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. See, your faith becomes effective when you know that God has made you good. When you know that God has made you clean. When you know that God has given you His own nature. And see, we got too much of the body of Christ thinking that they're horrible, dirty, rotten, no good sinners with no self-worth. If you believe that you're nothing but a dirty, no good, no dirty, no good, rotten sinner, I mean, that's exactly how you're going to act. And, and treat other people too. No, God says, I, I want you to acknowledge the good that's in you. Can I get an amen? I mean, like God, and that's how your faith is going to become effective. Now, and listen to me, you acknowledging the good that's within you is that you acknowledge the work that God did in you was good. 
It's not like you brought something to the table that made you good. No, you were dead. You were broken. You were, you still had value in God's eyes, but you were dead. And then when He came and breathed His life into you through His Son Jesus, now it would be foolish for us to judge the nature of Jesus as being bad or dirty or wicked or unworthy. And the more you know your worth, the more you're going to carry yourself in the same manner. That's, what, that's what, one of the things it means to, be, to walk worthy of the gospel. When you know your worth, you, you know, if we take two kids and we tell one kid that you know, you're bad, you're no good, you're stupid, you always fail, you always mess up, and we take another kid and say, you're good, you always do the right thing, you, you're awesome, you're, you're wonderful, we love you. I mean, you know, both kids are going to walk out the self-image that's placed on the inside of them because what they believe about themselves is what they're going to walk out. So God's trying to get preachers to tell His kids the truth so they can live in it. But people are more accustomed to having an abusive relationship with God than a relationship. And, and so they don't know how to not be manipulated. They don't know how to not feel bad about themselves. And so you got people coming to church and all the pastor does is beat them down and make them feel bad about themselves, and they come back every week trying to stay right with God. They come back every week, you know, giving their money so they can stay right with God. And the whole time, all that's happening is they're, they're, they're never growing up, and they're never realizing who they are, and they're in this weird, twisted, codependent relationship that God never intended for us to have. And, and, I'm not, and I'm not speaking against the pastors that do this because they just don't know any better, you know? I used to, you know, to do it to some degree. And so, but it is a doctrine of the devil to devalue the work of Jesus. And, and, and it makes the kingdom of God ineffective. And Because here's the thing, if we all have no sense of self-worth and value in this room, and we're all competing against each other for self-worth and value, none of us will love each other. We'll all just stab each other in the back, gossip about each other, slander each other. Because here's the thing, when you don't have a good sense of self-worth, you will spend your days in gossip. Because that's how you feel better about yourself as you tear other people down. Slander. Slander should never be a tool in the Christian's tool belt. You don't speak evil of your neighbor. You don't even speak evil of your enemies. You just bless. That's what God wants. You know? But the reason that we do that is not because we're bad people necessarily. It's because we don't know our own worth. And we've been taught. I mean, that's why people watch Jerry Springer. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? That's why people watch them shows. They're like, look at them crazy people. We ain't that crazy. No, we ain't that crazy. <laughs> that's the popcorn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because like, you're like, man, them people are crazy. And, and what it does is it, it, it medicates your own sense of unworthiness to compare yourself with some other sinner so you can feel better about yourself. But that was never God's intention. God never looks at a human being and sees worthlessness. I don't care what human being that is. I don't care what kind of sin they're involved in. I don't care how much they've been rejected by the church. God looks at that person and says, I want, I, I want them. I love them. I can help them. I can change them. Will somebody please tell them I love them? Will somebody please show them kindness? Will somebody please quit fighting with them and arguing with them? And just give them a hug. You know? Feed them. Clothe them. Just help them. I love them. They're just, they're broken. I didn't break them. They broke themselves. But I want to fix them. And, and, we, and, we, and we, as a church worldwide, are so broken ourselves that we can't fix nobody else. We just kick people when they're down so we can feel better about ourselves. Look at that. And each church has their own set of sins that they spend time judging. Sin is sin, man. I mean, it's like there's no bigger or less. I mean, there's different repercussions, but death is death. There's no greater sinner or worse sinner. You're either dead or you're alive. I mean, I know there are, there are things that are obviously going to have more repercussion, 
But in the eyes of God, you're either alive or dead. You're righteous or you're not righteous. You're born again or you're not. But he still values every single person on this planet. He said, in Titus it says, it's his will that all men would be saved. God wants to save everybody. God does not want anyone to go to hell. Nobody. He wants no one to be separated from him. Now we find out that he's not successful in saving everybody because there are people that choose to reject him because God's not going to violate your will. You will have to choose Jesus. Everyone has to. You either choose him or you reject him, and I think everybody will get an opportunity. The people who go to hell will be people who have chosen it. No one's going to go there by mistake. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, you, you, will have, you will choose. And it, it astonishes me that people will be prideful enough to reject salvation. But yet there will be people that do. I'm like, man, I mean, God can't do nothing for you. God will love you while you're separated from him. He will never stop loving you. Wow, man, I just feel the heart of God for people right now. Praise God. He loves them, but, but one of the things that he's got to do for us is he's got to heal us up so we can be sons and daughters so we can love properly. The church has not been successful at loving properly. We've been so bad at loving. <laughs> we can't even love each other, let alone love our enemies. <clears throat> and the reason being is we don't have a sense of self-worth and value. And so we see each other as competitors. Even when people walk in love in the church, they're trying to outdo each other. Well, I prayed for three people. Well, I prayed for four. Well, I, 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 well, I took uh, Sister So-and-So a casserole. Well, last week I took her cinnamon rolls, and that's her favorite. <laughs> Come on now, y'all know what I'm talking about. None of that's love, guys. That's all selfishness. Everybody understand that? All right, last place, Hebrews 12. I want to just talk about one more thing, and we'll pick up and talk about it next week. But, and this is an important, and Grant brought this out last week, but when God is ministering to your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, God not only wants you to intellectually under, look at my row. Look at this row over here. Like, we are, I, I mean, they are, you're right, but like, we were in, we preached in Hopkinsville, or no, Crofton last week, and my row looked like that, and someone else in church. And Chris Page's church is spotless. I'm talking spotless. And like, we come in like, uh, what's that kid off Charlie Brown with the cloud? Pigpen. We come in like Pigpen, man. We got Cheetos falling off of our face, and like, yeah, for, for the people that clean the church, I just want to say I'm sorry because I know that we make more mess than everyone else here combined. So, anyway, praise God. <laughs> Did you have something? Okay. Hey, come on, Jesus. Amen. I received that, brother. <laughs> That's the silver lining in the cloud, right? Amen. It's good. Praise God. Amen. But, okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, God doesn't want you just knowing your worth or your value from an intellectual place. God wants you to feel it. And this is one of the things that we're learning here. He wants you to feel it. And I know that under Word of Faith and stuff like that, we were always anti-feelings and stuff like that. Listen, man, God's not anti-feelings. Now, your feelings are not what determine truth. Because sometimes you feel good and sometimes you don't. Your feelings are not a good indicator of reality. There are times when your feelings are off. How many of y'all sometimes you feel saved and sometimes you don't? How many of y'all sometimes you feel right with God and sometimes you don't? How many of sometimes you feel loved and sometimes you don't? So you can't trust your feelings to determine truth and reality. I mean, you've got to go to the scriptures. Because there are going to be times when you've got to fly according to to the instruments, not sight flying, but instrument flying. You got to get in the in the book, and God God says He loves me, even though I don't love me right now. God says He's for me, even though I don't feel like it. Can I get an amen? You've got to know that truth is greater than your emotions. However, a part of the healing of your broken heart is so that you will begin to feel properly. Salvation of your soul. God wants you to feel right with Him. God wants you to feel loved. 
Because I'm telling you right now, when you feel your worth, it's different than just knowing it intellectually. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get to the place where your emotions are never messed with. I don't see that in Scripture. Like, you're going to have crimes when you're, you know, thinking not strange, this fiery trial, which is a trial. You're going to have times when your emotions are crazy. But there's a place where God wants to... Re- see, I, how many of y'all, have you ever had a time when you felt like God loved you? You could just feel it, that He loved you. How many know when you felt like God loved you, you didn't want to sin at all? When you were experiencing it on that level. And God wants to heal your heart. See, I like it when I feel love towards my wife. Amen? Feels good. I like it when I feel love towards my kids. Now, I don't always feel love towards my wife. And I don't always feel love towards my kids. Sometimes my kids make me mad and my wife makes me mad. It's true. No, I'm, can we be honest? Come on now. You love your spouse, but you don't always like them. You know, you have moments. I mean, in, in a, how many of you have times when you don't always like yourself? I'll be getting on my own nerves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm bugging the crap out of myself. You know? But when you do feel it, it's awesome and it's easy when there's a want to. The Bible says that when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. See, a part of what God wants to do for you is He wants to restore your want to. He wants to restore your desire. Amen? And so, this, this last point, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, talking about shame. Because shame is the feeling of unworthiness. And God wants to remove shame from your life. Shame is a feeling. When they fell in the garden, they felt ashamed. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he despised the shame. He hated it. It's amazing. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And it's set down the right. Why? Because it's funny, because like out of all the things he could have despised, you would think that he could have despised the sin. He could have despised the pain. He could have despised, you know, all the things that he went through. But the thing he hated the most was the shame. Because listen to me, Jesus had never had a moment of his life where he felt unworthy. He had never had a moment in his life when he didn't feel like the beloved son. And so for him, he hated the shame more than anything else. So he hates the shame that you feel when you feel like you're not worthy. And he wants to complete this work of salvation in your life to where you don't feel that shame anymore. Because the Bible declares one of the things the gospel gives you. He that believes on him shall not be ashamed. God wants to remove that sense of shame and unworthiness out of your life. Y'all tracking me here? Shame is an enemy. It's not your friend, and you don't belong there. Because there's nothing about you that's shameful. There's nothing about you that's shameful. Yeah, Jeremiah, but I did, I did, I did, I did. Man, what he did canceled out everything we did. And so and he, he wants to remove that. And so that is a part of the healed heart. And Isaiah 61 says where we were where we were ashamed, he will restore double honor. Oh, it is good, man. And, and, I, and I feel like this right here is some missing pieces for why a lot of us have lived frustrated. Because we've seen promises that we weren't actually enjoying. And I feel like one of the reasons that we haven't been partaking of it is we haven't felt worth it. We haven't felt worthy. And so God wants to heal this place on the inside of all of us. Amen. All right, cool. Father, we just thank you and praise you. I just speak a blessing over your people. I thank you, Father, that you hate shame. And, Lord, I thank you that shame is just eradicated and removed out of our lives. Lord, we submit ourselves to your opinion. 
We submit ourselves to your righteousness. We submit ourselves, we honor the blood, and we recognize that we're cleansed. And Lord, I just thank you. You help us to do that. I speak a blessing over your people as they go their way in Jesus' name. Amen. I have one more thing I want to say. One more thing. What would, ha- what, what would the church be like if we'd preached the gospel for the past 2,000 years and we'd grown and developed in knowing our worth rather than feeling like worms? Well, the whole, we would. The whole world would be a different place. And that's why the enemy attacks this message because he doesn't want the bride to realize her worth. Because when she knows her worth, she ain't putting up with his crap no more. Come on, come on, the devil. Amen. All right, cool. Y'all have a great week, man.